all you cool cats and kittens know it's not Carol Baskins, but it is yours truly, Brian Nichols, here on The Brian Nichols Show. So, speaking of cool cats, before we get started with today's episode, I have to tell you about our fantastic new sponsor. That's right, you know him, you love him. It is our friends over at the Lions of Liberty podcast. Now, the Lions of Liberty is the greatest libertarian variety show on earth, featuring three unique shows with three unique hosts. Their flagship show on Mondays is hosted by a friend of our show, Mark Clare, featuring interviews with leaders in the libertarian movement, roundtable discussions, debates, and more. More recently, Mark's been focusing on personal development and self-growth, featuring some familiar names like, I don't know, Jason Stapleton or Gary Collins. Wednesdays feature Electric Liberty Land, a weekly shot of comedy, culture, and liberty, hosted by the hilarious and acerbic Brian McWilliams. And on Friday, we have Felony Friday, which is a weekly look at the broken criminal justice system, hosted by John Odermatt, featuring inspiring stories from those who've overcome incredible injustice and adversity. So, head over to your favorite podcast catcher and hit that subscribe button to Lions of Liberty, and then let Mark and the rest of the pride know that Brian Nichols here at the Brian Nichols Show set you. And now, on to the show. Can I pause for a second and, and just note that uh, we got Brian on here who's getting uh, Congressman Massey on, and our typical lineup includes like homeless people that believe in Bigfoot. <laughs> Welcome to the Brian Nichols Show, your source for common sense politics on the We Are Libertarians Network. The Brian Nichols Show is the fastest growing liberty podcast that brings together people from all means of political thought as we seek to have meaningful conversations about the issues you care about. At The Brian Nichols Show, our goal is to leave the audience educated, enlightened, and informed. And now your host, Brian Nichols. Happy Monday, folks. Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show. And yes, a familiar face, familiar voice, familiar all-around great guy returning to The Brian Nichols Show. The one and only libertarian and chief, you know him, you love him, Todd Hagopian, returns to The Brian Nichols Show to discuss a couple of ventures that are taking place, not only in his personal life, as uh, not only is is Todd the libertarian chief on, on Twitter, well-known there, but he's also running for office as the Oklahoma State Corporation Commission uh, Board. He's running for that role as a libertarian. So joining the show today to discuss uh, why uh, a libertarian should be in one of those seats, uh, but also discussing a grand libertarian kind of strategizing as we go forward, uh, not only into the 2020 election, but beyond uh, focusing on local elections and so forth. A great conversation, always to be had uh, with our good friend here, Todd Agopian. So without further ado, on to the show, Todd Agopian returning to The Brian Nichols Show. Thank you, sir. I'm happy to be here. So happy to have you back. Todd, you are one of my favorite guests because, number one, I always feel that we have these really fun, thought-provoking conversations. But number two, you're a heck of a guy. You're you're always a, a life of energy. I, I see you on Twitter and the energy you have. I mean, whatever, t- whatever day it seems to be, whether it's in the morning, at night, you are going nonstop. Um, so, Todd, I, I, I'm number one. I'm so glad to, to talk to you again. It's been a while since we last reconnected. You've been you've been busy um, in, in your personal life. You've been busy, you know, personal ventures and stuff. But I, I guess for, for the folks who, who aren't familiar with you, Libertarian in Chief, who the heck is this guy over on Twitter, this Todd Hagopian? Let's do a quick spark note of who, uh, your, your kind of libertarian story and then also a little bit of your political background. Sure, sure. So the Cliff Notes version is this. I... Uh... Grew up in Ann Arbor, Michigan, super blue city inside of a somewhat red state. Um, and I was a big time conservative. Uh, so I got real sharp elbows. Everyone was always, you know, questioning me and challenging me. And I just learned how to fight back. And I, I turned into the super Republican, you know, um, as I grew older and started looking at issues more and started listening to how I was defending them and whether or not I believed it. And I moved out to West Michigan and at that time, Justin Amash was running for Congress, not in my district, but a neighboring district. 
and Ron Paul, of course, was in in the mix for the presidency and and, and stuff like that. And but Justin Amash actually was the one that got my attention. I started listening to him and I really started to identify as a libertarian Republican. I wasn't there yet, but I started listening to that. Mm-hmm. Moved down to Ohio um, and started to listen again to more of the Republican ideals and their issues and just realized that I wasn't on the same page. And I started going issue by issue, looking at the libertarian view and the Republican view. But the interesting thing was, is I had never even heard of the Libertarian Party. Every libertarian I knew was a Republican. I thought you could either be a Republican or a libertarian Republican. Um, And as the 16 election came out, um, it was just so apparent to me that there was no home left for me in the Republican Party that I decided to leave. Um, And I, I looked at every single third party that I could find and read through their platform and tried to figure out where I belonged. And when I hit the Libertarian Party, it was like, wow, this is this is me. This is exactly what I believed. I didn't even know this existed. Um, And I know that's heresy to say, but I'm just going to say it. I didn't know it existed. Um, And so when I found it, I created this Libertarian in Chief. I might have had five or eight thousand followers at the time. I don't know. I created this Libertarian in Chief. And the entire point of this account was to basically say, pretend that I was running for president. As president, I would blah, blah, blah. And all I did was took portions of the platform and put it into the tweet. And people would go crazy over it. They would love it. Yeah, yeah, that's what we should do. And they didn't even realize that they were talking about the libertarian platform. And that was the reason that I did it was because so many people align with the platform, but don't realize that there's a party out there that aligns with their ideals. Mm-hmm. And um, and then it got almost a little too serious. And I had to tone out the as a president tweets because I was worried like work was going to find out. I mean, these things were getting retweeted like crazy. And I, and I was like, I'm not running for president, just so you know, like this is just a moniker. <laughs> and so, but I kept the moniker and stopped doing the as a president tweets, but I still, you know, do the same thing. My tweets are meant to show people what the platform is and what libertarianism is all about and really try to put it in a way that people can connect with it, even if they're not part of the party. Yeah, we need that so badly because, I mean, one of my main things I've been doing here in the show recently, Todd has been focusing on that of uh, how we, quote unquote, sell liberty, right? And the reason I've been focusing on that is because we can have all the right ideas in the world, but it doesn't matter if we're not actually selling people, convincing them on our arguments and and it really comes down to meeting them where they're at. And I found that's part of the reason I would say back to your, you know, oh, I didn't know a libertarian existed or that that was a thing. Right. Like that, honestly, I think that that is part of the fault of the libertarian party in general. I'd say, you know, looking at the infrastructure that has been the LP national, because there really hasn't been one real cohesive message. And I think part of it is just the nature of libertarians. It's like trying to herd cats. It's, it's, right. it's tough. I get it. Um, but at the same point in time, we do need to have some strong leadership. And, and you know, candidly, uh, you were running for LP chair um, back beginning of this past year. Correct me if I'm wrong there in the, the time frame. Yeah. Um, and, and you dropped out. It was between Josh and, and Joe Bishop Henchman. And I, I watched, you know, I had Joe on the show, actually. He, he won the, the election and had a very good conversation. I, I, I think looking at where, you know, Joe's going in as a chair versus where Nick is leaving as a chair – I feel good uh, knowing that Joe is going to be, you know, the, the person really leading the charge going forward versus what we had in the past. And that's not a slight to Nick. I, I think that, you know, looking at what we need right now for a chair, I think Joe's going to do a good job. Um, but Todd, it's no secret. 
I was 1000% behind you, right? I was uh, yeah. full throatedly endorsing <laughs> you. I think you had, you know, the idea of professionalizing the party, um, you know, getting a cohesive branding message, starting focusing on local elections and making sure that our, our policies and principles, you know, that they were actually helping the very people we're trying, we talk about that we're going to try to help every single day. And now you're, yeah. you're putting your money where your mouth is. You're running for the Oklahoma State Corporation Commission. I had to go back to my tab to make sure I got that name right because if I had to read the Oklahoma State Corporation Commission, as I look at it again, I would never know what that was. I'm sure my listeners have never ever heard of such a thing. So, Todd, let's kind of set the stage here for this position you're running for, Oklahoma State Corporation Commission. What the heck is it, and why is it important that a libertarian be the uh, not only the, the face of it, but the person leading the charge? Sure, absolutely. So, interestingly enough, most states have these, um, but most states they aren't very powerful. In Oklahoma, they are. Um, and so what this is, is it basically is a commission that manages all the regulations on whatever industries the state considers to be in the public good. Inside of that uh, in Oklahoma are things like public utilities, transportation, and then most importantly, and where it hits home here is oil and gas, mm. which of course encompasses about 25% of the jobs in Oklahoma. So that's why this Corporation Commission is so strong and so powerful in Oklahoma. So everyone's like, well, libertarians are against regulation, so why would you ever run for that? Exactly. Right, exactly. Right? Yeah, that's <laughs> so, the point. Yeah, there's only three people on this commission. So if one person is always voting no, then all I need is one more no vote to stop a regulation from coming in place, right? right. Um, so, so we we looked at this uh, commission seat. We said we want somebody strong to run, um, and we and we started thinking of names and this and that. And then there's only a three day period where people can file for office in Oklahoma. And after about the second day, we were watching it really close, and we said, you know what, a Democrat might not run; it might just be the Republican. And then they started talking to me and said, OK, you've got, you know, business leadership and and strong uh, following and you can probably raise money. And this is probably a really good opportunity for us to actually make a splash. And so late in the day, in the in the last day of filing, I filed to run for this office. Okay. And, and it is now just me versus a Republican. And we're looking at probably potentially, but probably at this point setting a third party record in Oklahoma for the most votes in an election. Well, that's pretty darn impressive, Todd. I mean, you're actually kind of in a position right now. Uh, we had Ricky Dale Harrington on the show. He's yep. running for a uh, U.S. Senate out in Arkansas. And in yep. the same kind of situation, there's no Democratic candidate running. And in yep. this case, you know, now it really gives us a, a shot because, I mean, if you are disaffected with the, the GOP, you really didn't have a, an alternative. And, and now... Voters do have an alternative. And I hate the idea that you know, we have to have, you know, uh, have another choice. It's like, no, just like uh, uh, you need to be able to, if you're going to have a democratic system, have the best choices that, that are around. So not only are you right. the other choice, but you are the best choice in this case. So right. let's kind of talk about, you know, being a libertarian as one of these uh, commissioners. What would be kind of your scope, I guess, of your your regulatory uh, oversight? Now, you mentioned it's it's what they deem to be like public goods. So I'm assuming that's going to be water gas, um, infrastructure in general. So could kind of talk to a libertarian approach, I guess, to these different areas. Sure. So I have three platform planks, basically. First is cut the red tape. Second is stop letting government pick winners and losers. And the third is put Oklahoma back to work. So cut red tape. That's what libertarians are all about, right? Less regulations, um, the only regulation that I would ever even consider is something that's vital to public health. 
Okay. Other than that, I'm a no vote on every regulation. Uh, the second one is a little more intense, and that is stopping government from picking winners and losers. That can look anything like uh, from a regulation that helps one subsegment of an industry over another subsegment of an industry, all the way to bribery, right? And so, and there's a ton of area in between. Now, the important part here is my competitor has actually been the deciding vote to not hear a bribery case that's been there for a year. There is a case where Oklahoma Corporation Commissioner actually went to prison for bribery. He was convicted. And then the actual agreement that that or the vote that took place that was bribed upon was never overturned. And then it comes back and my guy votes against hearing it again. Get out of Um, here. And now, of course, you know, what happens next? We all know, right, that that company is now his number one contributor. (laughs) Isn't that funny how that happens that way? This is is what drives me crazy, Todd. I don't mean to go on a rant here, but like you, so you just gave the exact reason why so many Americans are so fed up with the traditional red team, blue team mindset. And yet, and yet, and this is the part that drives me crazy is that we continue, continuously see we put these people that are this red team, blue team back into office at a 90% rate. And, and yeah. I mean, the part that drives me crazy is my background, um, you know, political science back, you know, when I was in college was focusing on that of, you know, you look at these individual elections, right? If you were to ask a person, you know, what do you think about Congress? I think it's like 7% approval rating. You say, what do you think about your congressman? It's like in the, the, yeah. the 70s, 80s plus. And it's like, well, how can we have such a flip there too? Because it's never your guy. It's never your your congressman that's the, the bad guy. It's it's all those other ones out there. It's those nut jobs that are out, you know, in, in the big cities or the, the, the aw shucks, you know, country bumpkin uh, congressman. It's not your congressman. Um, right. So I guess how do we as libertarians, because we, we, we have a challenge, right? Not only are we going against this this mindset of you know this you know two party duopoly, but now we're re- we're introducing ourselves with to your point right a term a lot of people never have heard of or they have complete misconceptions of. How do we I guess flip the narrative in terms of number one saying hey there is alternatives to the the red team blue team number one, but number two here is what it, it is that being a libertarian, but here's what it actually means to be a libertarian. What's the pitch? How do we how do we convince some people to start looking at the libertarians as a real option? Absolutely. And I think going away from corporation commission for a minute, because nobody cares, right? And day to day. So let's talk about like real politics, you know, congressmen, senators, and what does that pitch look like? You got to talk about things like, you know, what's in the news all over today, qualified immunity, you know, red flag laws, things like that. Um, So a Democrat is never going to attack a Republican for not being, um, for not, um, I guess, being tough on red flag laws, right? Right. Because Democrats want red flag laws, but there's plenty of Republicans out there who have not, you know, gone to bat for or who have allowed it to continue. Qualified immunity is an even better example where neither party really wants to talk about qualified immunity. They want to talk about, you know, we need to do things differently in law enforcement, but nobody wants to even bring the qualified immunity up. Well, we need to find those different issues where people are not attacking because they don't want it to even be an issue because they're kind of soft on it too, you know, but we know the average American wants to see something done where they want police held accountable and they, they want us to not have, you know, 1am knockdown raids, you know, coming in to steal your gun that you use to protect your family. Right. Those are the kind of things that we need. Um, we need to be able to highlight in these races, especially one-on-one races where we can attack, you can attack, 
you know, a Republican from the right on the conservative stuff and from the left on the social stuff, you know, on the leave me alone stuff. Um, and I think that's how you really start to identify and show people what libertarianism is. So you mm. find these, find these, um, I would call them issues that actually affect people that the other parties don't want to talk about. And it's because they don't want to be cornered into actually taking a stance and doing something about. Yep. War on drugs for the, uh, the left, the, yep. the wars in general for the right, you know, actually putting, yep. you know, the metal to the, or the pedal to the metal, you know, they, they actually aren't doing that. But then, you know, I look and say, I would love to build those coalitions, Todd, but then I get, I get a little scared because I look at some of the polling that's coming out and I saw a poll that showed that uh, I think it was 30 uh, and 33% respectively are Republicans and Democrats found it okay to use violence in order to enact political means. And that's up from like, it was 8% back, I think like three years ago. So I'm now looking, okay, I, I always, when I'm talking to my audience, I, you know, we're talking about how to have conversations with folks. I say, if, if somebody's entering a conversation in not good faith, walk away. Cause it's not worth your time. It's not worth your energy. Go and actually invest the time going after somebody who's, you know, actually open-minded and wanting to have their mind convinced. But you look at, such an increase in people not only tacitly accepting violence, but now openly and full-throatedly endorsing violence in some circumstances. I guess I'm I'm curious, how do we libertarians who we preach nonviolence, we preach non-aggression, we we preach uh, you know property rights, how do we re, how do we uh, come to the realization that there are people and we can see you know 30 percent from each of these parties now who are willing to not take any of our arguments into consideration and in fact will violate our our non-aggression principles in a heartbeat they'll violate property rights in a heartbeat so long as it helps them enact you know their political goals how do we reconcile that with our messaging yeah i mean that's that's a fantastically hard question to drop on me right now there you go i i i, I, I pose I mean, the hard questions say, for you todd i'm sorry yeah i mean it's great but what i would say is um is libertarians are certainly willing to use violence to to push forward um, politics when we are fighting against somebody who is trying to aggress on our property rights or our life rights or our pursuit of happiness rights. So, so yes, we agree with you. That's why we believe in the Second Amendment so much. That's not there so that we can go out and shoot a fucking duck. Oh, sorry. Am I allowed to swear? I can't ah, that's fine. We'll hit the explicit button. We're fine. <laughs> it's, it's not so that we can shoot a goose, right? It is so that we can uh, we can fight against a tyrannical government if they come at us. So, yeah, we're we're right with you. We should be able to use violence to stop government from doing certain things just like you might think to make government do certain things. We agree with you when government is acting inappropriately, then I'm sorry, that's going to ring. When government's acting appropriately, um, we are with you and, and violence can be used. However, what we need to agree with is why is violence used? When can violence be used? And in our case, what we're saying is violence should only be used when property rights are being violated or life and liberty rights are being violated. Yep. And please help us understand why you think it should be anything different. That's an interesting conversation to have, right? Yeah. So why do you think you you honestly want to use violence so that we can inhibit other people's property rights? Like that's an interesting discussion. Could you please defend that? And yeah. that's a good discussion to have, you know what I mean? But um, yeah, I mean, the question you're asking is tough. 
There's well, no it's tough because I think right now everybody's trying to figure out how do we answer it? Because we yeah. do see there are a group of people on the left and the right. And I think I hate that. Like, you can't talk about the you know one side or the other. You have to talk about, like, you know, just whatever you consider to be the bad teams. Like, no, both sides suck. Like, what's it's yeah. the family guy memes like kids, kids, you're both awful. It's like and that's really <laughs> that's that's what I look at, like the extremes on both sides, because. They're not indicative of what America, by and large, thinks. I don't. I don't believe that. But at the same point in time, and this is the part that we have to try to deal with, is that these people we still have to live with these type of people, right? So how do we, you know, reconcile that with trying to, at the same point in time, live our libertarian, uh, you know, principles? And and you know, this is the thing that drives me crazy. Is like I hear people who will mischaracterize libertarians, like, well, libertarians don't tell the people what to do. It's like, no, that's not the case at all. We tell you exactly what to do. Don't hurt people and don't take their stuff. Like that's exactly what we tell you not to do. So like, I, no, libertarians, we actually we're very stringent on rules, like. Their libertine is not libertarianism. If if you want right. to go, you know, in this this free for all society, then you're that you're not a libertarian because when you're a libertarian, you actually have to live by some guiding principles, some guiding yeah. you know standards that you're setting not only in place for other people but for yourself. And that's part of I think where some of our friends in the left and right they they start to 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 lose us because you know they they're they can see the argument right. They see like oh um you know libertarians are trying to enact X goal. And then Republicans will say, you know, we think the government's the best at doing it in this circumstance. And Democrats will say it, you know, come to, you know, health care or whatever. You know, they'll, they'll have their argument for government. But like whenever you look at the Republicans and say, talk about health care, they'll say, oh, it's terrible. You know, government is so inefficient. And, and then they, they talk about the wars and, then, you know, the Democrats will say, oh, look at the kids that we bombed and stuff. It's so sad. And it's like so you're both acknowledging that government is a wholly inefficient means of accomplishing pretty much anything we put it in, in charge of. And yet you guys have both continuously pushed to have the government increase its size in whatever your pet project is. Do you not see the contradiction? So I guess now I'm at the point I'm done trying to convince politicians and I'm talking to people, right? And I'm finding that that's where we're having the most success is actually changing some people's hearts and minds. So Todd, you're out there talking to people all day long and, you know, not only on social media, but also, you know, in, in the workplace, you're, you're talking to people in business. So what's the kind of the, the sentiment you're getting from people across the board, you know? What's the thing that's on people's minds right now? Because if we're going to sell to people, right, we have to meet them where they're at. So in your experience right now, where are people at currently? Yeah, I mean, I think I think the wars is a huge thing that that people, for the most part, agree with. Nobody wants to stay at war forever. And that's what we've essentially been in for the last 20 years. Do they want all the troops to come home and all the embassies to close and all the military bases to close? Maybe that's where we go little you know, off the deep end with, with the average folk, you know what I mean? Um, that being said, I think that they understand the fact that uh, having our arms and everything and our fingers in all these different countries has caused more conflict than it solved. I think that the documentaries that have come out lately <clears throat> have been fantastic showing how often the CIA is manipulating these situations and actually causing more issues, how often the FBI screws up the raid and causes the deaths. You know what I mean? I think those things have opened people's eyes, which is fantastic. And then I do think I don't like to focus on the drug war because uh, I know most of the Libertarian Party does, so I don't need to. But I do think that the drug war has has actually opened a lot of people's eyes. So there are more than half of the states now have legalized marijuana in some form or fashion. You know what I mean? People are now getting behind the, yes, we should we should release nonviolent offenders either for financial reasons or for social reasons. Um, and people are starting to get behind the, why can't, 
why can't these felonious, you know, drug dealers vote after they get out? And there's certain of these issues that I think we're starting to get a lot of groundswell on where it's like, oh, I didn't even know that that many people were in prison for nonviolent offenses. You know, almost everybody will be like, oh, well, they're probably a drug dealer that shot somebody. Well, no, then they're not categorized as a drug offense. You know what I mean? They're categorized as a shooting someone in the head offense, you know? And so I think those are where we're starting to get people. So hammering home the statistics rather than just talking about, and I know I've thrown it out there before, you know, everyone loves the whole, we want, you know, a gay couple to be able to defend their marijuana field with a automatic machine gun, Gatling gun or tank, you know, that's a great soundbite. But what we, where we get people is we start talking about, you know what, there's a hundred thousand people in Oklahoma that need to be released today. They should have been released yesterday. You know, in California, they keep them longer so that they can go and fight fires. You drop them into a fire pit, you know what I mean, and and let them risk their life. And and these are the things that people start to go, what the hell? Are you serious? This is really happening? And then, by the way, they get released and they can't vote. That's great, you know. <laughs> so, so we've got these people who never hurt anybody that are going and fighting fires <laughs> finally getting released and then they can't vote, you know, and, and yeah, this sounds like a great thing for democracy, you know, quote unquote democracy. So I I think that's where we're winning. Those kinds of conversations are now finally happening. Um, And so drug war and, and big wars, I think are the two issues that I see getting the most traction. Now, what about this? This is the golden question. I I see this in my own personal circles as well, but like, the, the COVID-19 lockdowns, that I yeah. think has been one of the biggest things I've seen a lot of people in, in not just you know business, but just by and large. I mean, the economies in, in certain areas, you know, they've been entirely shut down, like 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 just arbitrarily deciding you're an essential business and you're not like, OK, yeah. that's not authoritarian or anything to just determining what businesses can and cannot function based on some edict of a government. And then, the, you know, some of the, the, the friends on the left will then in, in the same breath say that Trump's a fascist and like he's a yeah. fascist for not shutting down businesses arbitrarily right. from government. Like, I, No. OK. Yeah. But like I, I don't I wish that the libertarian candidates made this one of the main issues, too, because I, I also think that on top of what you're talking about. This is really where a lot of people like it's it's hitting home because it is so real. Because I mean, if yeah. you yourself were not impacted by the the COVID nineteen lockdowns, you know somebody who was, or or right. you know, or a family member was, and you know we saw that in the debates with Trump and Biden. If we can even call it a debate, you know, Trump did at one point make it a point to go after Biden on the lockdown issue, and I'm like, yeah, yeah he, he good for Trump. Like that's I think an issue that's a winning argument. What are your thoughts, Todd? You know, should the Libertarian Party be much more full throatedly going after this group of people who I think are being completely ignored this election cycle? The, the folks who are saying and these these arbitrary lockdowns. Yeah, it's a it's a tough question because you it's so polarized. But this is what I can tell you: thirty six percent of Oklahomans lost income during this during this summer. Okay, either because they lost their job or they lost hours. So it's a huge, and Oklahoma, by the way, didn't get hit by COVID that hard. Okay. Now they did get hit by oil and gas collapsing because of COVID. So there were the tentacles that hit us, right? Um, But my point there is, is the lockdowns um, hurt everybody, even states that weren't affected by COVID. So that's a huge issue where you can say, yes, you know, lockdowns were not smart in states that weren't affected. It should have definitely not been a nationwide deal. 
right? And it wasn't. So it, it was, you know, state governments and local governments got to choose. Where I think libertarians can can hit this without looking like the guys who are saying masks are stupid. Okay, that is one way that we can go out, and, and many libertarians say masks are stupid. Well, now now we don't look so smart, right? Because right. the president just got it, everybody else got it. Two hundred thousand people are dead. You know, it's not a hoax. We we probably don't win on that argument. And by the way, I wasn't one of the ones making that argument. I was in February talking about how this thing was going to be serious, um, and and that's not a politician thing. That's a scientific thing, right? Yep. There were things that were showing in February that we all should have figured this out. So anyway, um, where we can win is the whole not letting government pick winners and losers thing, right? So uh, so the government decided what companies were staying open, what companies were shutting down. The government decided that Walmart was going to win and the local store you know, down the road was not. Um, and and they decided that certain manufacturing companies were okay and these other ones were not and you couldn't get your hair cut you know and this and that and and basically all the ones that they decided were small businesses who are losing out and these folks can't afford to go six months without a paycheck and the people who work for them can't afford to go six months without a paycheck and that's where you start to win is why did government even decide that what if government just told the truth from the beginning what if government in February, like anybody who had looked at the data would have known, said, hey, this is pretty scary. This thing isn't looking too good. Um, you all should probably think about, um, you know, staying six feet away from each other. How about businesses start coming up with ways you could stay six feet away from each other? And oh, by the way, you know, I was running a business and the government took my masks at the border. So they didn't let my mask come to them. Do you know why? Because government knew masks worked. Okay, so government was stealing everyone's masks at the same time that the Surgeon General was coming out saying, no, masks don't work, blah, blah, blah. Well, three weeks later, he changed his tune and said masks work because now they had enough masks in the government, right? But I didn't have any of my employees. So even when he told us to wear masks, we didn't have any because they stole them all, uh, literally took them from us that we had ordered. <laughs> and so so my point here is, is those are the kinds of things we could talk about where it's like your government lied to you. Donald Trump is on tape talking about how he knew it and he lied to you. Your congressman knew it and he lied to you. Your mayor knew it. You know, our governor here was out to dinner the, the night before and all of a sudden, you know, it was a state of emergency the next day. They all knew this thing was there. Well, heck, some of our, our, our government experts, right, Dr. Fauci, yeah. like they knew it, too. And this is the part that drives me crazy with some of my friends on the left. It's like, no, your your experts, they are not infallible. And, and to, to yeah. even pretend as much is is being you know woefully dishonest because you know, we, we look at folks like, you know, Dr. Fauci and, you know, these – uh, these, these lifetime bureaucrats, which I understand that there is a scientific community of checks and balances. But if you do not believe that there are incentive structures in place in these, you know, these government bureaucracies that to keep these, these you know, folks around and, and to keep building the, the, the government regulations and, and red tape, I, I don't have to tell you like this. Yeah. I mean, Dr. Fauci has been in, in government as an immunologist for, you know, what, 40 years, 30 some odd years. Yeah. Like, and, and, you know, he was saying from the onset, to your point, you know, as the expert, masks don't work. But then he admits, well, he was lying. He was lying to you because well, we need yeah. to get the masks for you know the, the, the healthcare workers. It's like, okay, well, now you instantly discredit anything you say going forward. Like, right. if you're just like saying like, oh, yeah, I lied on purpose because we wanted to make sure right. we were protecting people. Like, no, T tell people like, hey, listen, 
We're running low on masks. We need help. Like we need help. All the yeah. help we can get. And we saw that too. Companies started to produce masks in mass. Oh, yeah. well, guess what? When the regulations went away and companies were actually able to, to start producing masks on their own without FDA, you know, BS in, yeah. in the way for the red tape. So it's like, oh, maybe government, and this is like the ultimate thing for libertarians. I'm like, how do we not make this the argument? Like, look at everything that has happened during the 2020, pretty much like because 2020 has been a big, just complete pile, steaming pile. And yeah. everything that has gone wrong in some way, shape or form can almost all be related back to government in some, in some yeah. arbitrary way. Right. So why are we not making that the argument as libertarians? Like yeah. that is the argument, right? Yeah. And I think, I think the other argument that we can make now that we're about to get to a cure or, or a vaccine is that guess what? This Moderna vaccine that they're talking about that's finally going to be out, you know, miraculously the day before the election. Guess when it was produced? March. It was made in March. It started phase one trials in March. It finished phase one trials in June. Phase one tests safety. After that, you're always looking at safety, but you're mostly testing efficacy. You know, does it work? Is it going to help 20% of people or 80% of people? Well, I don't care if the number was 20%. If it was safe, would you have taken a vaccine that would have 20% chance stopped you from getting COVID in June? Well, yeah. You know what I mean? Like a lot of people would have, not everybody, but we would have been way down the road towards, you know, herd vaccine by then. Not only that, but now we're talking about these $5 Abbott labs, you know, rapid five minute tests. Okay. When did those come out? Yeah. They were made in April. Okay. <laughs> they, they didn't get through testing until now and now they're gonna now they're gonna hit the market well what the hell are you talking about like a test was that gonna make you sick or could it have just been wrong right you know let's let's talk about why that was ever pushed back five months we could have had five five minute tests and then if you were positive you know then you went and did the two-day test or something like that and we could have had these things out there and and not crush the economy and and so we talk about i i think regulations is probably the winning argument for libertarians because they can talk about, listen, there were a ton of companies that wanted to come up with a vaccine, but they couldn't afford the $1 billion to get from A to B. Moderna got a whole bunch of money from the government to do it. Otherwise, they couldn't have afforded it. And that's why there's only two or three other companies that are coming up with vaccines. And they're all big companies that have $100 billion. Everybody else lost the, lost the race against Moderna. So all these other little companies that had an idea what to do, they couldn't do it because because the government gave it to one company and decided who was going to win. And by the way, that thing was ready in March and now we're going to get it in November. Maybe, you know, maybe so. if we're if we're so fortunate enough, if the oligarchs have decided that we're worthy enough to uh, to get our, our meager supply of uh, vaccines and test kits and all that kind of fun stuff. But Todd, in exactly. the meantime. We need folks like you fighting the good fight, and obviously, uh, with you running for Oklahoma State Corporation Commission, uh, you're 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 doing that. You're leading the the way, and uh, obviously, we mentioned over on Twitter, uh, it's the Libertarian in Chief. It's at Todd Hagopian. Um, Todd, any parting words of wisdom for my audience? Anything that we can you know have it, looking forward to some positive optimism? Anything? Anything really? You want to send send your way? I mean, guys, we are the fastest growing party in America. Um, we have we have caucuses that are growing fast. The Mises caucus I'm a part of. We we have given to you know a handful of uh, I think it's ten or fifteen campaigns locally that are head to head campaigns where we can win. We need folks to step up and run in these local races and and show ideas and how it can affect people on a local level. 
And, and I know it's the presidential year and I know no one wants to think about it, but get ready. There's a ton of races in 2019, or sorry, 2021 that are like school board races and mayoral races and city council races. Run for these things. Get your ideas out there. A lot of them are nonpartisan. People don't even know you're a libertarian. I worked on a 19 race where we had a guy win with something like 67% of the vote against two other people. So he got two thirds of the votes against two other people. And he was a libertarian. They didn't even know he was a libertarian. You know what I mean? And, and so, but they liked what he was saying. You know why? Because a lot of people are libertarians. They just don't know it. So focus on the local level for the next two years after this. And let's get some wins in the books and get ready for 2024. Amen. Todd Hagopian, libertarian in chief. As always, thank you so much for joining the Brian Nichols Show. Thank you, sir. It was a pleasure. Are you looking for a simpler life? Real information from real people without all the BS we're bombarded with today? Well, hey, I'm Gary Collins, the host of Your Better Life podcast. Make sure to go check it out. I'm a former intelligence officer, special agent, entrepreneur, and I'm here to give you the facts and give it to you straight so you can live the life you want. And make sure to check out my website, thesimplelifenow.com, where I sell all of my best-selling books, The Simple Life Series, Going Off the Grid, Living Off the Grid, and just flat out kicking some ass. Make sure to check it out, guys. All right, folks, that's going to wrap up my conversation with Todd Hagopi and the Libertarian-in-Chief and also candidate for the Oklahoma uh, election, uh, State Corporation Commission Board. There we go. I, I told you, Todd, I was going to get it right uh, sooner or later. It's just there are so many different names for it. Um, so anyways, guys, as always, it was a great conversation with Todd and always uh, a fantastic opportunity to uh, to pick his brain. Uh, you know, dude's, dude's really smart. Uh, you know, from a, a business uh, perspective, private sector Todd, Todd is, is one of the best. So, you know, guys, I cannot recommend not only uh, the work he's doing, uh, you know, in politics, but go ahead and follow him on Twitter just for, for marketing, sales advice. Uh, he's showing you how it's done. And, and, you know, instead of reinventing the wheel, just kind of take what's there and, and use it to your advantage. And that's kind of what, you know, I, I would recommend for all of you guys take what we're doing here at the Brian Nichols show, apply it to your, your own personal lives when you're, you're going out and talking to people, sell liberty. And, and what I would love for you to do is use that hashtag sell liberty and tell me your story of what you've been able to have some success. Success in, in selling liberty to friends, family, coworkers, uh, whoever it may be, uh, and, and I'd love to hear those victories because that's you know when we sh- raise up those victories, it shows us what's working, and when we can raise up what's working, more people can try what's working, and then we can uh, hopefully convert more and more people over to our side. And and when we have our our ideas in the marketplace of ideas, we will win. So I'm confident in that. So guys, I'm asking you, go ahead. Uh, hashtag sell liberty. What has been uh, your your story of, of helping sell liberty, converting people over to the liberty movement and bring people over to a more freer uh, future for for not only ourselves, uh, but also for our, our, our future generations uh, after us. So uh, with that being said, guys, it's been an absolute blast. You know the, the drill at B Nichols Liberty, Twitter, Facebook, Minds.com. Go ahead and give me a follow there again at B Nichols Liberty. Uh, and also give me an email, Brian at Brian why, you may ask, because if you have not yet done the five-star uh, review over on Apple Podcasts, well, you can go ahead and get entered into a, a great uh, giveaway that we're going to be doing with our new sponsors are going to be coming up here in the next couple of weeks. So if you want to be entered into this awesome giveaway, uh, what you got to do is go ahead and give us a quick five-star rating over on uh, Apple Podcasts and tell folks why you became a member of the Brian Nichols Show audience. So that's, that's all it is. It's that quick. And, and I'm telling you, the prizes are going to be absolutely 
phenomenal. So make sure you go ahead and do that ASAP. You know, hang up right here. When you're done with the show, go ahead right over to Apple Podcasts. It takes you like five seconds. Uh, and then go ahead and send that screenshot my way. Looking forward to it and definitely looking forward to the next shows we have coming up here in the next couple of days. So be sure to uh, to subscribe to The Brian Nichols Show so you don't miss a single episode. But with that being said, guys, it's Brian Nichols signing off here on The Brian Nichols Show for Todd Hagopian. We'll see you Wednesday. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com.